Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hi, everybody, and thank you for joining me again today. My guest is Heidi Hubner, and I was looking at my records. The last time Heidi and I were together was on her birthday on March the 9th, well, her, she wasn't born in 2016, let me be clear about that. But March the 9th, 2016, when I was in the studio in Westchester. Heidi is the Public Information Director at LAX, and her programs include the VIP and PUP programs. Wow, thank you. Thank you for coming back. I'm so happy to have you join me today, Heidi. Well, hello. <laughs> Hi, thanks for being with me today. This is going to be so much fun, sort of a blast from the past. But there are probably people that didn't uh, listen to our show some six years ago. So I thought we could start off by, before we get into what you do, it's like, who are you? So let's, let's tell, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. So I am originally from Kansas City, Missouri, where I grew up. I came to California and went to school at Chapman University, where I got my BA in communications. And the first part of my professional life was spent touring, dancing, and singing. And uh, as I got older and started finding other things that I loved to do, uh, which is working with volunteers and creating programs and volunteer programs, the one current thread through all of this in my whole life has always been animals. Mm. Did you always have a pet growing up? I did. Um, I was actually adopted as a baby, and mm-hmm. I remember our very first, my very first dog who was with my parents before I came along named Tiny, and Lorelai mm-hmm. was another dog that came a little bit later. Hmm. What kind of dogs were they? Uh, Tiny was a poodle, and Lorelai was a doxy, and of Aww. course, they were both rescue animals before any of us were really talking about rescuing animals. Yeah, no kidding. Boy, is that not the truth. So, you, you talked about growing up in Kansas City. As a child, uh, what did you enjoy doing growing up in uh, Kansas City, Missouri? You know, I have to say, I look back at my childhood so fondly. Mm-hmm. I had so many friends. I loved my school. I took, you know, dance classes and acting classes and went to sleepaway camp and just, you know, was always busy and active. And we would go to the Lake of the Ozarks every summer to vacation. And it was just a great childhood. And I actually had great mentors, um, Miller Marley School of Dance, Shirley Marley, who is still with us was my first dance teacher at three years old, and she really instilled upon me having a work ethic and showing up. 
if you wanted to, you know, be a serious performer, you had to show up. And that was as a kid, and it always stuck with me. Hmm. That's, that's, what kind of dancing did you do? All, all varieties? All varieties, yes. Did you have a favorite? Um, I loved jazz, and I loved tap. And it, this is a very cute story. My, mm-hmm. you know, the tap shoes would leave scuff marks on our right. bathroom, tiled bathroom floors. Yeah. So my dad brought home this big, I want to say it was almost like plywood, but it had a coating on it. So I could just tap dance to my heart's content in the living room. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. Uh, you know, those those are such wonderful memories, aren't they? I mean, you can just, you can you can close your eyes and almost feel it, can't you? I mean, yes, it's like I was there, I'm there now. (laughs) Right, right. I I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. So what did you do before you were working at LAX? Because I know you've been there for quite some time. So before LAX, I used to tour dancing and singing. I've been, oh my gosh, to the Bahamas, Japan, doing different touring shows or staying in certain cities, um, performing in shows, or maybe they were acting, just depending. I was really lucky because I worked, you know, one job after the next. Something, I would finish one show and had met somebody who was like, oh, you need to audition or send your, you know, back then we were sending VHS tapes in, (laughs) putting them in the mail. (laughs) Right. You know, sending them in and, you know, either getting hired off of that or, you know, an actual audition, and I love performing. It was just such a huge part of my life, and that it never leaves you. You know, so today mm-hmm. even doing this show is fun because it's sharing about myself and being able to talk to talk about, you know, who I am and what I'm doing is right. still almost like entertaining. It, you know what? And it's interesting. I I find that my podcast are just that they are entertaining you you love to dance and sing i love to talk i love the communication between myself and my guests did you ever have just this desire to be on broadway i did an off-broadway show oh you did uh, which i did which was really really fun at the 13th street theater in new york Mm -hmm. and um But the touring shows, my mom said, listen, if you can tour and go to all of these places you've never been, that's what you should do. What a great experience Mm. you're going to get from life and meeting people all over the world or just in the States that you would not normally have that opportunity to meet. And I'm really glad I listened to her and did that. I'm just curious. Were you a teenager? Were you in your 20s? How old were you when you were doing all this touring? So at I did my first professional shows at Starlight Theater. I did Hair and Music Man in Kansas City. Oh, my God. Yes. I know, wow. right? I could sing every word to Oh, my <laughs> to gosh. That is so cool. Oh, man. I love musical theater. Okay. So were you – how then, old were you when you did that? So that way I just graduated high school. So that was right just before like I was eight, going away to college. 18. Right. Wow, that is so. So, did you tour and but also go to college? Did you end up doing that at the same time? No. So, and oh. again, thank you to my parents for saying you are <laughs> going to go to college. You've got to get that degree. And 
you know, thank goodness uh, they were they were strong on that. So, because you know, I said, oh, I'm just going to go move to New York or LA and I'm going to perform, and they said, good luck. <laughs> so <laughs> I uh, I did make a choice. My dance instructor said you need to find a school in New York or LA. Mm-hmm. Find a good school there to get your degree, but then you can also be taking classes and auditioning. You know, who knows if some big thing would have came up during that time, I would have had that opportunity. But um, I, you know, got done in four years and literally after the day after I graduated, some friends had moved to New York and I went and to take a, a visit and I said, I have to move here. And I called my mom and I said, I've got a place to live. I'm going to move all my stuff. And that was it. And then my second day in New York, I got a job. So, Wow. So where did you go to college here in California? Yeah, Chapman University. Oh, that's right. You said that. I, I'm. I. You did say that. So you. That's right. You got your BA at Chapman. So yeah. You don't still perform, do you? Or do you? I don't know. Maybe you do. Well, I have been asked to choreograph a couple things here and there, or you know, friends saying, "Hey, what do you think about this?" Or helping find music for, you know, this show that we're putting together. But I have to say, we. I used to do flash mobs at the airport. And oh, it was kidding. so much fun. Oh, oh my wow. gosh, Marsha. And I'm going to say this was probably 10 years ago we started doing them with employees, which oh. was so fun. It was, you know, people working at the airport who wanted to dance. And I'm going to say we did about eight or nine flash mobs. And it was you just know, Wow. You know, honestly, I had forgotten about those. And I, I did a I did a lot of flying, um, and uh, not recently, but I I can remember seeing that, and it's like what? Wait, what? And it's like oh my god, it was no, you know, you are a very interesting woman, my friend, and I I think that that is so so cool that that you that you had that opportunity. So what brought you to work at LAX? I was working at Animal Services before as um, the director of their volunteer programs and trying to create programs to get animals adopted out of the shelters. And I also had started um, a nonprofit called Kids and Pets where we were doing humane education and going nice. to schools. And I was, you know, and I was doing pet therapy. You know, I had teams going to hospitals and schools and senior centers doing that. And then um, an opportunity opened up to work at LAX in a different division. And I thought, this is interesting. And so I took the job and I was working with construction and maintenance. And and this is what's interesting. There's always, we may not know what the plan is of the universe or whatever higher power you believe in, because my friends are like, you're doing what at LAX? And I'm like, you know, I just, I'm not sure, but it just kind of seemed like a cool opportunity. I don't know where this is going to lead. Long mm-hmm. story short, uh, we had a, an existing volunteer program that was uh, a contract. Um, they were a contract. They had a, a, a contracted out, and when they were looking to cut budgets and to bring things in house. My name popped up, and I interviewed for the job, and that was my background at animal services, running 800 volunteers. And so I t- 
took over and um, we started the VIP program, Volunteer Information Professionals, at the information booth. Right. I, 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 you and I have talked before. I live in Westchester. I live a stone's throw to the airport. I wouldn't want to walk there, but I suppose I actually could. Um, and I have friends here in this community that 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 work in that program and have for many years. And you know that that program is really important when you've landed and you have a question and you're looking around going, I've never been here before, I'm really confused, and where's the luggage? And, you know, it's, it's a pretty important program, don't you think? Oh, it's, it's so important, and these volunteers are so incredible. They have the passion. They're so committed to helping. They go over and beyond. And I have to say, so one of, uh, actually two of, uh, uh, my VIP volunteers also performed in some of the flash mobs, which is awesome. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I think, you know, we may have talked about that before. Because, you know, that because people have all kinds of talent. We don't always know what they are. I mean, somebody that's working with you might go, what? I just listened to this podcast. I had no idea that Heidi did that. You know, so you just don't, you never know, right? You never know where people's talents lie. But I know that that VIP program is really important. But I do want to talk and spend a ta- some time now really talking about the pups because I think that what you're doing with um, pets unstressing passengers is really important and you already had sort of a background with animals anyway, as you've talked about. So are you the, are you the person that started that pup program? I am. This is wow. my baby. My baby. <laughs> my legacy, yes. my greatest accomplishment, and my passion just, uh, it just, just fills my heart and soul. Mm-hmm. So how did you come up with this idea to start this dog therapy program at LAX? So when I came to LAX and was working in construction and maintenance, uh, <laughs> there was another, the, the, uh, the person who hired me to do that has retired since then. But I had told her, I said, you know, we're going to have dogs at this airport one day. And she said, you are so funny, Heidi. Well, fast forward to 2012. When um, the concept came up, they were looking for how can we enhance our customer service program? What can we do for passengers to, you know, help alleviate stress and just give them something positive? And I said, a therapy dog program, of course. And I was so blessed that for management um, really wanted to know how could we do this and let me basically run with it and you know, put all the pieces together and meet with all of the different groups, uh, you know, to sign off on it and to make sure that we had all of our I's and T's crossed. So in 2012 is when the program was created, and we launched it in 2013. Got it. That is so cool. I mean, did have you always, it sounds like you've always had the love for animals since you can remember, haven't you? Did you always have dogs? Did you ever have any other pets besides dogs? I've had dogs, bunnies, cats, birds, horses. Um, you know, it's just I, I love animals. 
unconditionally. Yes. They're just, you know, amazing sentient beings. They, you know, I, I have to interject because you've talked about rescues, and um, rescues oftentimes results in adoptions as well. And there is a, um, a business here, maybe you're familiar with it, Wallace Annenberg Pet Space in Playa Vista. And um, that's how I got Miss Kitty, who has been my kitty now for, gosh, it's, it's been over a year. I don't know if it's a year and a half quite yet. But, you know, when you can adopt and rescue an animal, it really does mean so much to so many, doesn't it? Everybody wins. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that organization, Pet Space. They are great. We've done some fun partnerships with them. Wonderful. And um, I love that you got your little girl from there. That's great. I, and you know what? It's so funny that you said it like that because she is my little girl. I, I, I call her baby. I rarely call her by her name. It's like, come on, baby. Let's go. Um, and and they have bunnies and other things like that and birds there besides dogs and cats. And, gosh, when you look at the faces of, of an animal in a, I don't want to say a cage because they're not really in cages. Some of them are, have a lot of a walking around space. You know, you just want to go, oh, gosh. And it's the same. I, channel 4, our local Channel 4 right now is doing a whole thing on um, a rescuing um, animals. Um, clear the shelter, I think is what they call it. Yes, encourage yes. people. Um, in fact, I thought at the very beginning of the pandemic, and I don't know if this is true or not, and a little off subject, I was under the impression that a lot of the shelters, frankly, had been cleared because people were home and they were sequestered and they weren't going out and the pandemic sort of forced them in. It, 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 am I wrong about that? Am I mis, my, am I mis um, speaking about that? No, you are correct. The shelters, um, people were adopting, fostering, getting them out, which was wonderful. So, you know, they were actually having a break where it just wasn't a constant, um, you know, days of just animals being relinquished and turned in all day right. long. But right. unfortunately, now with many people returning to work, those animals are going back to the shelter. So we are having big problems right now. And so to clear the shelter that they're doing to try to get animals into permanent homes. It's really critical right now. I bet, And, you know, I, I was just thinking another probably consideration that, that might result in people returning dogs to shelters is maybe they can't afford the dog or cat because they can't afford the dog food or they can't afford, you know, I mean, we're, we're living in such un unsettled times for so many but my gosh if you're able to have a pet whether it's a dog or a cat or that parrot that lives for 30 years you know it it really means something and i can appreciate um why your program is so valuable to people at the airport it's just another place where people can just sort of feel a connection, you know? Maybe mm-hmm. maybe it gives them a little bit of sadness. Maybe they're thinking, oh, I'm petting this dog and my doggy's home. I, I can't see my doggy. I'll be back in a week. But at the same token, they're getting the comfort of that touch. Um, why, are you, why are you such an advocate for rescuing animals? So I, you know, shelter animals are awesome animals they're in there for their whatever circumstance 
that is. It does, you know, some mm-hmm. people used to think, oh, they must be bad dogs or like, you know, evil right. cats. It's like, no, they're loving, kind, you know, animals that for whatever reason weren't able to stay in their home. And so while also, you know, responsible breeders, because we, you know, you have to keep the breeds. You can't say no more breeding. You know, you, you know, right. purebred dogs are amazing, but you got to go somewhere where somebody's doing it responsibly, not these puppy mills, churn them and burn them backyard breeders. It's that, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. We, we can talk about that another time, but <laughs> you know, these, <laughs> uh, these, you know, these animals, they're just so loving and kind and all they want to do is please you and be with you. And, you know, the ones that might have, um, you know, issues where they're maybe chewing or barking, it's just because they're nervous. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't know. They can't tell us what happened to them before. So, you know, if you can take the time with the trainer and work with them and know what you're getting into. um, But, you know, most sheltered animals, they're ready to go. They're like, what can I do to please you? They are perfect. Right. Um, You know, and it's very interesting about dog breeds because um, we both know that the pits really have taken a hit um, on that as a breed. And actually I had um, somebody that did their um, Angel City Pit Bull Rescues. And and those those dogs are so misunderstood. And, you know... If you're a loving, caring person and you're ready to bring a dog into your home and to to raise with your children, maybe you're a single person now and you're lonely and you just would love to have an animal in your home, whatever that reason is, it's really, I think it's so important that dogs are rescued and, and cared for. We don't want to see them put down. You know, that's that's the thing. I just, I just, it, it saddens me to think that that, that those things can happen. Um, well, and I have to just really quickly interject with that, Marcia, because right two now. of my therapy dogs, Chopper and Chance, Chance currently, you know, works with me at the airport. He's a Husky Shepherd, Jindo mix. He was on his way to be euthanized oh, man. because of time and space. Like, I literally am going to try to not cry right now, but like, he's the most amazing therapy dog ever. And if my friend wouldn't have rescued him, it's like Mm -hmm. what a loss. Everybody who's met him, you know, and he is such a star in our program, like what a terrible loss. Really? I I, 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 I so agree. Um, So your dogs are... Your dogs are working dogs, right? I mean, they're, they're working dogs in your program. Do you think every dog needs a job? Yes, they do. <laughs> okay, let's see about it. Where should they apply? <laughs> okay, so you've got some dogs that, you know, are raised and trained to be service dogs. Some dogs are just supposed to be your couch potato or your exercise buddy or your family pet therapy dog, working, whatever it is. So I say mm-hmm. to people, when you're looking to bring in an animal into your home, you've got to look at your lifestyle. Are you somebody that's gone all day long? Then getting a Jack Russell or a really busybody breed, <laughs> cattle dog, that is yes. not, that's not the right no. dog for you. They're going to be bored no. to tears and get into mischief. Yes. Um, you know, we could look at a pug or a mastiff or a dog that really is, you know, 
fine to be home waiting for you uh, at the end of the day of work and they just want to jump on your lap and maybe go for, you know, a short walk because they're mm-hmm. not so, you know, a, a working busy breed like that. So it's just really doing your research and, you know, and seeing what, you know, dog is good for me. If you have a lot of little kids, don't get a puppy. Let's look at like a four or five-year-old dog. That's a bigger dog. Um, you know, don't get a little chihuahua. That's going to be overwhelming for a small dog like that. Right. I agree. You know, you said that um, it kind of brought you to tears a little while ago. Um, I don't have grandchildren. I have fur babies. My son has the dogs. My daughter has the cats. And my very first fur baby was a pug. And, you know, they they don't live forever. And um, he was... You know, he was 16 um, when 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 we had when he had to put him down, and that is a very difficult thing that you have to consider that our animals don't stay with us forever, but the joy that they bring and the memories that they bring and his snoring and his his funny bow legs and the, just the way he mm-hmm. walked around, he was just so funny. Um, you know, they they really they mean a lot to us and to our families, and I think you're right about. Your advice, you know, there are some dogs that are best, better for for young families. I mean, like you mentioned, the Jack, uh, the, the Russell. I mean, don't they? They're they're like on pogo sticks. They just they're always <laughs> jumping up and down. And and look what's happened to all the doodles. Oh my God, I can't walk to the, I can't walk in my neighborhood, and not see doodle mixes, which might be my favorite right now because they're just so lovable looking you know i mean there's just so many interesting breeds out there and um you know i think that pets you know really do bring a lot um of joy to our lives but you know like you said if every dog needs a job and so kind of keep in mind what your dog's job needs to be um exactly it's true so how do you i know i have a couple of friends that do this how do you recruit your volunteers to be in the PUPS program? So much of it is word of mouth, or if one of my volunteers is just walking in their own neighborhood or, you know, folks who live in L.A. traveling through and see us and go, oh, my gosh, I have, like, a great dog. I think, you know, I would like to see if they could, you know, work in the program and in a lot of our social media, too, and um, but I'm going to say word of mouth is the biggest. And then another thing, Marcia, that all of our dogs in our program, and, you know, I'm going to go back to the pits for a second. We had eight pit bulls at one time. Mm-hmm. And because it's all about the temperament and the personality and if the dog wants to do the job and if it can do the job. So we mm-hmm. have all different breeds and ages and sizes. We had a tripod dog. We had a blind dog. What does dog, that mean? I don't know what dog. that is. Wait, what's a tripod dog? We had a dog. He had to have one of his legs removed because of cancer. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Wow. Wow. I, I never know? heard that term. And yet he was able to still be a working dog. Yes, and he was working. And then, you know, before the cancer, and then the cancer came, and, you know, they decided to amputate because he was young enough, and he lived for years still doing therapy work and loved every oh. second of it. Wow. Isn't that something? You know, um you 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 were very um gracious and joined me in my Rotary Club meeting a few weeks ago 
and one of our members um, just has this dog that she just absolutely loves, Milo. I think Milo was also a rescue. And um, because you've got to have a really strong connection to your dog if you and your dog are going to come into an airport. I mean, you know, if your dog is saying, hey, I don't want the leash, I just want to run, well, it ain't going to work. You know, I mean, you have to have a dog that's that's ready and available to do the job. But um, I think that people that have the extra time, I think that it's really wonderful, like you said, word of mouth, getting it getting out there amongst the community. And frankly, the people that are already doing this, no other people that have a, a strong connection to their animal, to their dog, and they also mm-hmm. may be in a position to say, hey, you know, I'd like to do this. I'm thinking about retiring soon. I'm looking for something to do. This sounds like something that would be right up, right up my alley. Do you think that um, the volunteer as, is as important as the dog? Absolutely, because it is teamwork. Just mm-hmm. like you said, you know, when I'm with both of my dogs, they just know they we feel each other. You know, I can mm-hmm. be like, Chance, over here, just a little, like the leash, he knows, oh, we're going to walk over here. It's just, it's we're, we're just, and it's my all of my volunteers are like that with their dogs. We're just so in tune. But while the dogs are the conduit, they are the warm and fuzzy people coming up and petting. The volunteer is there. We have a lot of people flying for not happy reasons. Not everybody's right. going on a fun vacation. No. So, you know, you've got people, you know, maybe traveling for a funeral or right. having to move. They don't want to move, but they have to move for their job. And so my, the volunteers are the kind, you know, person giving hugs, listening to them, having conversations with them. And that it's so important. So it's both of them are equally as as important you know it's very true what you just said you know we we don't know why people are traveling i know i you know if you have family that lives in another state or even in the same state but far away it's very possible that your trip is not a pleasant one and um if you're going to a funeral i i, I should add or somebody's very ill um and and i can see where that is really really helpful for you to be able are you in all the terminals at LAX we are um okay. it's great because the volunteers can pick their own day and time that works the best for them so you know if we've got early birds or people wanting to come after work or on the weekend you know that's what's just so easy about our program and um they work for about two hours but it's all about mm-hmm. the dogs if the dogs starts getting tired after an hour, an hour and a half, you know, the dog kind of gives you that sign. And again, that's where the volunteer needs to be connected to recognize, okay, you know, chances like he's tired. He's taken in Mm -hmm. a lot of energy today and, you know, it's time to go or, you know, Hey, they're they're full of energy and they could still go, you know, another 20 or 30 minutes. That's fine too. But yes, you can Mm -hmm. find us in all of the terminals. That's terrific. And there are now, did I understand that, that you have um, expanded this program to other airports across the country? So when we launched the program, I did a conference uh, back in 2013, or 2012, 
and opened it up to 80 airports that were in attendance for all different sorts of customer service stuff. But I was lucky to, you know, be able to talk about the PUP program and, you know, decide if anybody wants to start one, I'm here to help you, let me know. And so I am so proud to say, Marsha, that 90 airports. Oh, my goodness. As of today, have similar programs uh, to the PUP program. Wow. Now talk about a legacy. That's that's just outstanding because you know what? I see this as a three-way win. It's a win for the dog. It's a win for the dog's owner. And it's a win for the passenger because everybody wins there. It's not like yeah. well, just the passenger wins. Oh no, that that dog is getting something from that love and attention. That owner is looking into the eyes of this person and or that child. I mean, some of the photos that you have, you know, with little kids, just you know, it's just it's just a beautiful thing. I I, I so admire the fact that this was came from you and has just spread like this. It's just. It's just fabulous. It's just, it's just great. So what does it take for a dog to be a therapy dog? Because I'm sure it isn't just like, oh, I've got a cute dog and I want to walk it around the airport. Right. So there is a whole uh, protocol that we go through. And the first thing I do, whether they've been doing pet therapy for years or you know, they, I get somebody calling saying, I think my dog would be a great fit for this. I do a meet and greet and I have them come into my office. Mm-hmm. And uh, first they fill out an application and they send that back to me. And in the meet and greet when they're coming in, I'm looking at the dog to see, again, does the dog want to do this? Mm-hmm. Can it do this? Does it have manners? Does it have the temperament? And I can tell when the dog walks in, Marcia, if that dog is wagging his tail and going up to everybody in my office and saying hi. And then, you know, I'm petting them and I'm, you know, going over their body and touching their feet to make sure they're not trying to pull away and, you know, that they're very, very comfortable. Then that's a really good sign they're probably going to pass the next set of tests. Um, And if a dog walks in and they're shy, they're very tentative, I know right then if they're uncomfortable coming into my office, they're going to be really uncomfortable even going into the terminal. So, you know, I'll talk to them and just kind of note what I've seen and maybe have some suggestions. Or, like we said, it's just not the right job for that particular dog. You know, that's right. not what their job is supposed to be. And then the wow. group we partner with mm-hmm. is called Alliance of Therapy Dogs. They're oh. the organization. Mm-hmm. They have tester observers that put the dogs through tests in order to get their certification and registration to become a therapy dog. That's interesting. Go mm -hmm. ahead. I'm sorry. Go right ahead. I was that's okay. And then so when they pass that and they get their certificate from Alliance of Therapy Dogs, then they come back to me and the volunteers, just like the employees, have to get fingerprinted and badged, a whole background check. And once all of that passes and they have their badge, then they're ready to officially start working as a pup. Well, that's great because I would imagine, you know, like like you said, obviously the dog has to be a good match, but the 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 volunteer has to understand their responsibilities as to what they're supposed to do as well, so that yes, so that they're they're participating properly. And you've used a couple of terms that I think would be great 
to identify if there is a difference. Um, I mean, I I have a friend, you know, I, I'm connected. I just thought of another organization called Guide Dogs of America. Uh, I have a friend that's very active in Guide Dogs of America, and it's it and it provides therapy, and and their 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 client, for lack of a better word, are are blind or are very hard. They are they can't see, um, and so Guide Dogs of America is different than um, the other. Um, um, I can't remember the other nonprofit for blind for blind people, but these dogs also work like therapy dogs. So I'd like to know. We use the word service animals. We've used the word therapy dogs um, and emotional support dogs. Are they? Is there a little bit of a difference between the three of those? There's a huge difference. Oh, great! Between the three us. of those. Okay. Okay. Thank you. This is so important. Thank you, Marcia, for bringing this up. So you're welcome. A service, a service animal, and service animals are usually dogs. Um, is there for that person and that person only. Nobody should ever, ever interact with a service dog, ever. So if somebody says, oh, you can pet my service dog, no, <laughs> that's not a true service dog. So service dogs, like you said, can they are there for people who you know are blind, who are deaf, who maybe have epilepsy, who have some sort of um, disability that mm-hmm. needs attention 24-7. So for somebody who has, um, who maybe is a diabetic and that dog alerts yes. if their insulin, if their yes, insulin levels are dropping. they can smell it. Mm-hmm. I've seen that dogs, video where a dog has smelled yeah. their owner going, and the dog is notifying that the, the person, um, they're, they're, they're having a problem. It's amazing. Yep. Wow, sorry. And those I, dogs I, are highly trained. I mean, the the maybe one out of twenty pass all mm-hmm. of whatever these needs are. So you know, Guide Dogs of America, most of them are for um, people who are blind. So Correct. But they dog, don't all pass, like I, just like you said. They right. don't all pass. So that's ahead, why sorry. a service dog. No, no, no. This is it's twenty four seven. They need to be with that owner and focusing on their person, which is why nobody should ever approach. Or, again, if somebody says, you can pet my service dog, then um, they're not a true service dog. And they're abusing, they're abusing that terminology and what those dogs do. Got it. Um, That's important to know. Yeah. Okay. So don't approach somebody that, because they usually have some kind of a vest that suggests that they are a dog working. They're not they're a not service animal, person's correct. pet. Right. Okay. All right. And then next we have therapy dogs, which are what the pups are. And when you, if you might see therapy dogs at hospitals, visiting patients or senior homes, schools, Mm -hmm. uh, reading rooms, all those dogs are for everybody to pet. So a therapy dog I say is for all people. And there are also therapy horses um, that go out into the community as well mm-hmm. and there are. provide the same thing as dogs. So that's what those dogs are. And, again, they have to pass all of those tests to be certified and registered to be a therapy dog. Mm-hmm. And then last, we come up to the very gray area of an emotional support 
an ESA, emotional support, animal, or dog. And that category is for a person who maybe they have social anxiety, maybe they um, have gone through something in their life where they just, they need that companionship Mm -hmm. of their dog to be with them wherever they're going, if you know. And those dogs, and so here's where it's hard. Anybody could go online and get a vest and say, oh, my dog is an ESA animal. Mm-hmm. So when you see, if somebody says their dog is an ESA animal and it's barking and causing a ruckus and, you know, pottying on a floor, that is not a true ESA dog. Mm-hmm. Those dogs or animals, you know, should have manners and should be trained so they're acting politely out uh, in the public. So mm-hmm. that's, a, a, that's a hard area because I'm sure you saw articles of people, all sorts of animals Peacock, coming on planes. Yes. Pigs, mm-hmm. ducks, mm-hmm. ducks, you know, and not having good manners. So, right. you know, therapy dog, um, I feel like ESA, if I'm going to just speak dogs now, they should have to do the same training as a therapy dog mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. so they have the manners and the, the right temperament, but it's only, again, for that person, but it's not a highly trained dog like a service dog. Right, right. I, I there's, there's just an article in L.A. Times today. It was a very sad article about a, a homeless woman that has a duck, a Peking duck that is that brings her comfort and that's and she takes it everywhere transportation wherever she goes and you know it it just goes to show you that we, everybody needs a little love you know all we need is love it's like yes. that song goes um you know and I, I i think that like you said that esa sometimes gets a little bit you know challenging like you know your dog has to be able to sit underneath the the seat in front of you and my dog's too big for that and I don't want my dog to go into the luggage and you know I know there's all kinds of complications about things like that but when you walk around with your therapy dogs um, they are like you said they're bringing a different level of service to whoever is experiencing them whether they are in a senior citizen home or at the airport like you do Um so let me ask you, how do airports find you to start a therapy dog program? Is, are they contacting you? No, they can contact me. They can go to the website, our website. Um, should I say it now? Is it going sure, to be go right ahead. Yes, okay. I think you should say so it. If, okay, so if you go to lawa.org slash pup, so that would be L-A-W-A dot org slash P-U-P, that will take you to where my information is, my phone number, email, uh, mm-hmm. and you can also find out more information on the website. Mm-hmm. You sure can. In fact, I'm actually looking at it, um, delving down just a little bit farther, where you have the LA, the lawa.org forward slash volunteer, and then you have an opportunities pup program page, the same way you have for the VIPs where the volunteer opportunities are listed there and um, how people can contact you, Heidi. And I will make sure when our podcast is over that I will include your email address so that anyone that's listening and wants to learn more, maybe volunteer, maybe just have questions about this, I will make sure that people understand how to do that. And even though those of us that live here call 
the airport LAX. Um, for all intents and purposes, it is LAWA. It is Los Angeles World Airport, which is LAWA. And your website is very well done, and people can really can really find out about that. So, when you think about all you're doing, what what do you think makes this program so special? I don't even know if you can put it into uh, words. Go ahead, try. I know. I okay. I will. I will try. My when I came up with this and started this, it was important that I also wanted to have a lot of community involvement. I wanted mm-hmm. to brand the pups not only in working at the airport and doing partnerships with airlines and everything we do at LAX, but also being part of the community, whether that's having an information table at an event, whether mm-hmm. it's participating in the 4th of July parade in Westchester. And our upper management is so supportive about working with the community and expanding our, you know, our, our love from the airport to them. So, and I, when I talk to other airports, I tell them, please, if you can do community programs, do it. We partner with Ronald McDonald House. We partner yes. with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Yes. We do wellness days uh, with LMU, with oh, USC. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't know that. Yeah, so okay. Yeah, we do. And so it's wonderful for the pups to get out there and just, you know, spread the love and share the love. I, I agree. Do you, can, can you go, like, to Children's Hospital with the dogs? Since there's a lot we, of, you know, I, I don't know if that's a difference. There's a difference there. Well, so as Alliance of Therapy Dogs, and again, that's who all of our pups are registered and certified with, they have a huge, uh, they're nationwide. And so mm-hmm. many of their volunteers, that's all they do. They work at Children's Hospital or Kaiser, you know, different mm-hmm. um, facilities. So it's, that's covered by therapy dogs that not, quote, unquote, through me. Our stuff is more, although we do reach out to the Valley uh, sometimes and have done that, but um, our, we're co- more focused around uh, our community by LAX. Got it. And you know, you mentioned <clears throat> it's funny because I was working the Fourth of July parade in, in Westchester, and you know, I saw the dogs and their and their owners marching down the street, and it was it was so nice, and everybody was so excited and so happy to physically be out and walking and enjoying the community. And we do have. You know, I realize that you and I happen to be talking about a community that I've always lived in, and this is a community. I know the airport is considered Los Angeles because Westchester is Los Angeles. It's a community within the community. But those of us that live in Westchester really do think of the airport as Westchester. In fact, I think it says welcome to Westchester as you're driving down Sepulveda. But... um, so I think this is really wonderful, and I think that there's probably people listening now that are thinking, I've been looking for something to do. I, this this sounds so good for me. And maybe it's not the PUP program. Maybe it's maybe it's working the VIP program. That's very social, and I, I think that that's, that's just so important. But back to the therapy dog program for just a moment. Um, how are you different from other therapy dog programs? Are there differences? So I feel like 
you know, therapy programs, we all do the same thing. Is we're mm-hmm. just there to comfort people and bring smiles. But, again, I think with our community involvement and, you know, groups that we work with, we did um, Teen Talk is a new app, and we did a pop-up event with hmm. them at the Fox Hills Mall, which, you know, was great because people were like, oh, let me pet the dogs, and then the parents could find out more about what this app is and how that could service their kids. And so I think, you know, just like you say, it's like networking and meeting people and sharing and talking. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not only the passengers, the employees at the airport oh, love I bet. seeing the dogs. I hadn't thought you about know, them, vendors, of course. And sure. collecting their cute little trading cards, you know. <laughs> tell, tell everybody about the trading cards. That's kind of cute. It's their fun. So they're basically like baseball cards, and it has, you know, pictures of the dogs on the front, and on the back it has information like their breed and where they're from and their name and their favorite thing or their favorite treats. And it's it's really cute because when somebody's traveling through the airport and they have met a dog at LAX before and they see a new dog, they're like, do you have the card? Like that's the first thing. And really? this one gal, I mm-hmm. love it. This one gal pulls out like her, you know, the little, um, the, um, the, the plastic slots you can put little cards in. Right. Uh-huh. She pulled out, she must've had 30 of the pups cards in this and she knows a new dog when she <sighs> sees it. And it's so sweet. So does, so what do you guys do? You, you take pictures of the dogs and then they're available for the for the dog's owner while they're walking around the airport. We pass out we pass out the cards. We have them made. So, We've got tons wow. of them. Wow, that is so cool. I mean that's <clears throat> that's that's really fun. And I would imagine that's fun for kids too, to to get a a card with that with that doggy on it. It Man. is, and I just another <clears throat> quick story, Marcia. So I love stories. We, I, Go. So I got a um, email from a man, and him and his son had gone through the airport, and they had met one of our pups, Molly. And he said, "My son was so happy to meet Molly. We're not allowed to have uh, animals in our apartment, and so he oh. eats dinner with Molly every night and has the trading card. And he, the little boy would eat dinner like the Molly's card would be next to him while he's eating dinner every night. Oh. And I was like, oh my gosh." So, you know, we don't even know how many people we touch, no. right? No, you you don't. You you know what? You really, you don't, not unless they get back in touch with you. I, do you have, I'm just curious, how many volunteers do you have in your program currently? Currently, we have <clears throat> about 74. I wow. Five, five new uh, pups I'm going to be meeting and onboarding. Um but before the pandemic, I had 121. Oh, yeah. A lot of people moved. A lot of to be closer to family. Unfortunately, some of our pups passed away and some aged out. So that was a mm-hmm. real, uh, you know, and that was kind of across the board at other airports and with our VIPs too. A lot of people, you know, family said, I want you to be closer to me. So that was hard because, we're like one big family, and I miss mm-hmm. my volunteers that don't live here anymore. Right. What do you do to recognize them? Do you have any kind of a yearly thank you kind of thing for them? 
We do. We do a luncheon every year where we get together and um, do a slideshow and we Mm. do hours and, you know, certificates of who's done the most hours and years of service. And we're hoping we're going to be able to do that this year because, you know, obviously we weren't able to do that the last couple of years. Last couple of years, right. That's true. So do you find that the majority of your volunteers, whether they're VIPs or pups, basically live in this community of Westchester and and thereabouts, are they are they do they travel very far to get to you, or do you have people coming from the valley? I mean, do you have you know where are your where do your I, where do your volunteers come from? So I'm going to say the majority are in the community close to the airport, but I have a couple mm-hmm. that live in Orange County. Nice. I have uh, several that live out in the valley. And I have mm-hmm. one volunteer that lives in Bakersfield. Oh my goodness! And comes, mm-hmm, and comes in one day a week. For people that don't live here, they don't—they aren't going to know that that distance. How far is it from Bakersfield to LAX? Two plus hours without yeah. traffic. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then they work like a two-hour shift or thereabouts, and and then they go home. Yeah. And then wow. she goes home. Wow. What kind of a dog does she have? She has, his name is Enzo, and he's a doodle. Oh. And he is so sweet. But I have to, I have to share. My yes, pups please. who have lost, my pups who have lost dogs, and this one volunteer, unfortunately, two of hers passed away. Mm. But they, they get new dogs. You know, when, and that makes me feel good. They don't want to stop doing this. They, you know, get their next dog and get it ready and continue with the program. And I just think that speaks volumes because that's how much they also get out of it. How, how long is the training program? How long does that take? From beginning to end, depending on your schedule and when the volunteers can get together with the tester observers and then badging and fingerprinting, it could take... Two months, it can oh, take really? less than that if, you're, uh-huh. if your schedule is freer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's good to know that, that there's that kind of a commitment. And then once they agree to do this, do, they, do you help set their schedule with them? I just I'll always ask them, you know, do you have a favorite terminal, you know, a favorite airline that you want to, mm-hmm. you know, work in because that's what you fly all the time. And if people do um, – you know, I'll put them in that terminal. But like I said, they're really lucky they can pick the day and time that works the best for them. We want to make it easy because they're volunteers. Absolutely. I, I think that's terrific. So I, I have a feeling your mind is always going um, because <laughs> I just feel that about you. So do you have another goal or idea that's churning up there in your brain that that you're waiting to do? Well, of course, I want every airport to have a program, and I right. get called. You know, I, I get another one or two a month, uh, you know, looking to start a program. But this is also something I would like to expand out to businesses. Um, oh. There are – and so here's – because there's, you know, there's, there's a – and here's the reason why. If there is somebody in your office and they have a great dog that could pass and become a therapy dog, and they could go to work with you. Now, that would not be under the PUP program, 
But right. people can do that, and there's a special insurance with Alliance of Therapy Dogs that they would be responsible for. But how great would that be? And, Marcia, if that could keep dogs from going back to the shelter, Imagine. to be able to go to work with their person, right? Right. Imagine that. And truly, um, imagine what that would be like as as you just sort of globally think about that. You know, I I meet so many people because I do a lot of walking in the neighborhood. I'm forever talking to people with dogs. I mean, if they're in a hurry, they're going to be sorry. They're going to turn around and go the other way. Um, and I, what I should have, frankly, and we should talk about that off the air, I need a stack of your business cards. Because Absolutely. you never know when that person's walking their dog, sometimes with a child, sometimes not with a child, some, whatever, um, I'll always stop and talk to them. I'll always ask them, oh, what kind of a dog is that? We have a, we have a neighbor that's walking a Great Dane. You know, you just don't see that many Great Danes anymore. And there was a time when there were a lot of neighbors walking boxers. And you don't mm. always see a lot of boxers. And you're not really limiting the size and breed of the dog. The dog just needs to be able to fit in to what the expectations are of being a therapy dog. Am I right? Correct. Yeah, well, that's that's pretty cool. So it sounds like, you know, I think the idea of, Going into businesses is a is a terrific idea. I, I really do, and it, I see that as a total win too. Because now you're not worrying about who's walking your dog, you know, who you got to get your dog to you got to take your dog for a walk, but you're at work, and so you know we have a lot of dog walkers in this neighborhood that that work for people that are not with their dogs during the day, and their dogs need to be walked to go to the bathroom. So right. um, that that's that's really. That's exciting, Heidi, which, which you have. In the, in the last couple of moments that we have together before we say goodbye, do you just have a, another story? I'm a story collector. Do you have a story that would just be a nice way to end our show together about an experience at the airport? So I had a family coming in, and, you know, we get this – a lot. People see the vest and they see the pet me on it and it's like, oh, wait, oh my gosh, can I pet this dog? I can really pet this dog and the smile. And, you know, they came running over and they said, you don't, you don't understand. We've read about these dogs. We've seen, you know, articles of, of you know, written on them. And we're finally mm. meeting one of the pups. I mean, it was so cute. It was like they were a rock star celebrity. And they were just so happy to do that and then to the side I had noticed this person earlier and was kind of maybe scowling and it's like uh oh maybe they don't you know particularly like dogs and mm-hmm. my volunteers also just so you know if you don't like dogs we're not going to bother you they're very respectful yes. <laughs> if you have you know allergies or whatnot just let us know and we'll make sure we go the opposite direction but all right. of a sudden this person pulled their phone out and started video, I mean, was uh, talking to somebody on the other line and basically was FaceTiming showing this family getting such a kick out of meeting one of our pups. And they had the biggest smile on their face. And I thought, oh, my gosh, they weren't annoyed by the dogs at all. They, you know, for whatever they were was going on and then 
FaceTiming this person, and it just changed their whole day around, even though none of us ever spoke to that person. But you could see by what they were doing. So, right. you know, it's you never know. And I have so many stories. I should write a book on all the stories, shouldn't I? Yes, I, I think you should write a book. You could do a podcast. You could do a lot of different things. It just sort of <laughs> brings brings this, brings your world to too many. And, and yes, I think, you know, I, I could see where uh, you could have a book where you have a picture of your volunteer, you got a picture of, of your dog, and then you are talking about, you know, this person and this dog and what they mean. And, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of different things that you could do that – that just carries us all the farther and maybe somebody's listening and they're saying you know i always fly into um san francisco airport uh and i've never seen this process i wonder if they would do that maybe somebody's listening and thinking where they fly maybe they've never seen this before and then maybe they contact you and say you know what i i go to denver you know twice a month and I've never seen a program like this at my airport you know it'd be interesting for them to be able to reach out which is why you know I will inundate your emails um, when <laughs> when this podcast is over when people you know either want to volunteer I mean I realize that this is a podcast that goes across the country and if you're living in um, Pittsburgh you're not going to be coming in to volunteer and I, and I respect that but perhaps while you're living in Pittsburgh you could consider whether this is an opportunity for you in the airport that's near your home maybe getting involved in some way and I think that that's that's the beauty of a conversation that's that's why I do this every every week is that this brings something positive to humanity it's it doesn't divide us it unites us and more than ever this is what we need right now in our country is to do that. And I'm not trying to make any kind of statement other than to say that, you know, united we stand, divided we fall. I, I just heard that song go on in my head. There's always a jukebox up there. What can I tell you? Um, but I think that it's, that it's, it's true, though. But, but it's true in that, you know, people gain something from listening to my podcast. And you were in the studio with me when we did this in person. Now you're doing this on the air with me through the radio. But I'm so grateful, Heidi. I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to share what's so important to you with others. It's just been it's been wonderful having you as my guest again. Well, <sighs> it is my pleasure. Thank you so much, Marcia. And I love that we live close and. We're going to talk more because I've got some other things to brainstorm with you about. But, again, I appreciate you having me on to share what I do and what I love. And, folks, reach out if you have questions. She'll have my information up. I would love to help or talk or anything. So thank you. You're welcome. So, everybody, have a great week. Now you're going to look at dogs in your neighborhood in a whole different way, including your own. So you never know where a conversation will lead you. But I know I'll be having one again next week. So have a great week, everybody. Heidi, thanks once again. And I'll say goodbye for now. See you later, everybody. Bye-bye.